You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Thank you for coming back and joining us once again at Grab Them by the Pod. I'm Kevin, along with Jesse, and we've had to take some time off of late. As you know, the two of us were candidates in our local municipal election, which took place yesterday, uh, Election Day 2017. And so we have you know, had to take some time off to focus on that, but now we're back. I don't know about you, Kevin. I am exhausted. Uh, the last few months have involved us knocking on hundreds and hundreds of doors, uh, meeting lots of new people, waving to cars in the morning, uh, standing by the polls for about 14 hours straight, maybe an hour off here or there, but in the rain, in the cold, uh, doing everything you've always seen other people do. We did it this time, and no, it was a really great experience, and we had some success. I would like to introduce everybody to an official member of the Board of Education here in our town. Kevin, congratulations. Well, thank you, Jesse. And uh, yes, as Jesse mentioned, I, I won a seat, uh, a two-year seat on our local board of education here. Uh, but I couldn't have done it without the help of my best friend, Jesse, here, who, although he did not win a seat on our town council, put in a valiant effort, door knocked just as many doors as I did, you know, talked to just as many people, you know, was the brains behind much of our social media presence uh, as a slate of candidates. Uh, he worked his butt off as well and, and deserved to be on there too. And the, just the, the cards, the chips didn't fall uh, in the right places this time for him. But I know that going forward, uh, he's learned from this and, and I, I see him getting himself elected in two years from now. You know, we got a lot of praise telling both of us that we ran pretty much the, the best campaign this town has ever seen. Um, unfortunately, at least in my case, it seems that just name recognition is what does it. So, uh, you know, my 13 years of government affairs experience is great, but, uh, if you live in this town for 20 years or 40 years, uh, that's, what's going to push you over. But you know what you said, this is my first time running a campaign. My name is out there and I hope in, in two years or so, maybe I run again and maybe they'll remember me. And, uh, maybe in that meantime, join some organizations here in town, get my name out there. You, you know, I'm like... I'm like a bug. You can't get rid of me. Uh, I just keep coming back and back and back. And uh, they may annoy you or they may, they may thrill you. I don't know. But uh, either way, they'll know who I am. Well, that's the important part, that you got involved. And I think that's something that you know I'll touch upon later, but that is one of the silver linings to the Trump presidency, that more and more people have gotten themselves involved at all levels of politics in this country. And as bad as I felt this morning coming off an election loss, I still felt better this day after the election than I did last year, the day after the elections. That says something. That absolutely true. It was just a year ago today that you uh, and I were watching the results pour in, uh, you know, after polls closed and just staring at the screen, uh, kind of awestruck and with our jaws on the floor seeing that the new president was going to be Donald Trump. Seemed like a lifetime ago. So this episode of our podcast, it's going to be a little shorter than normal. Uh, we couldn't bring an episode last week because we had so much stuff going on. Uh, today, we're we're both exhausted. Uh, you probably hear it in my voice. I probably said, good morning, good afternoon, thank you for coming, have a great day. You know, hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of times yesterday in the cold. So I'm, I'm a little hoarse. 
But we wanted to make sure we brought you, our wonderful listeners, a new episode. I mean, we owe it to you. Um, sure, we're busy, but, you know, you're waiting for us to put something out there. So we'll be back next week with a full-length episode. But we're just going to talk about a couple things happening uh, in the town. Don't you think that's fair, Kev? Absolutely. Yeah, we can give them we can give them a show. We can give them something for the listeners. We can give you 20 minutes or so. It may not be 30 or 40 or more, but it's something. So we just talked about our experiences in local elections, uh, but there were some other elections happening around the country yesterday, and uh, some big stuff happened. So uh, Democratic Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam defeated his Republican uh, uh, challenger Ed Gillespie by 8.6 points in Virginia. Uh, Democrat Phil Murphy defeated Lieutenant Governor Kim, nah, I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sorry, Kim Guadagna, was that how you say that, <laughs> in uh, in New Jersey by 13 points. So, Kevin, I ask you this, how bad do the Democrats need these wins this year? Well, it certainly serves as a morale booster, right? As you mentioned, a year ago, we, as a party, the Democratic Party took the biggest hit, uh, certainly in this century, and the morale was very low. And, you know, we had a couple of those uh, special elections, congressional elections like John Ossoff down in, in Georgia, where they didn't necessarily go the Democrats way. You know, they, they made some progress, but in, in the end, they did not win. So to have a couple of big seats, uh, governorships be won by Democrats in a state like Virginia, which is fairly Republican, to have it be won by a Democratic governor in a convincing fashion as this, it. It does say something, and it it begs the question of what's going to happen next year in the midterm congressional elections. Yeah, I you know I lived in Virginia for about a decade, but of course I lived in Northern Virginia, which we were just mentioning yesterday. Really, should be its own state. Northern Virginia is extremely blue. Um, there are some other blue patches in Virginia, but a lot of that is red. But there's a lot of people. Um, basically, it's the burbs of D.C. up there in Northern Virginia. Uh, we wonder what's going to happen two years, like you just mentioned. I am not sure. I, I can't say because a statewide election is a referendum on the state, but there's been so much gerrymandering going on uh, throughout the states. I don't know if, if, if the change is going to seep into those districts or whether we're just going to see more of the same. The, the question is, are we going to get more Trump candidates running on Trumpism? We see a lot of the establishment Republicans retiring because I'm assuming because they just don't want to deal uh, with with what's going on these days. Um, or, or are we going to see some Democrats take control? I I just don't know yet. We're not we're not there yet, uh, but we're a year away. And I guess you know, starting today, it's it's election time for all those people running for re-election. Well, it certainly is, and you know if these. Two races in Virginia and New Jersey serve as any indicator. The Dems have some momentum right now. Can they capitalize over the next year? As you said, today, the day after election 2017 starts election 2018. So we'll see if they capitalize on that uh, and move the ball forward. And I want to say, though, if you're running on a on a platform of, you know, I'm going to save all these statues because they're Confederate uh, hero, that's probably not the best thing to be running on, especially these days. And again, if you're running in the shadow, the very large shadow of Chris Christie these days, it's probably not the best uh, way to run either. So um, especially in New Jersey's case, uh, they, they were really hurt before they started running. And we saw that by a 13 uh, point swing. Uh, but there's more than just the gubernatorial races. It's even at the smaller level, um, and again, I may butcher some of these names, but Danica Roem won a seat in the Virginia's House of Delegates, and it's noteworthy for a couple of reasons. First, she's the first transgender candidate to win there, 
And this is even crazier. She defeated a social conservative icon, uh, Delegate Bill, me, Bob Marshall, who uh, the Washington Post says is a 26-year uh, incumbent and calls himself Virginia's chief homophobe. So they've been electing this guy for 26 years, and now they've brought in someone who is transgender. That's pretty amazing. Well, it speaks volumes to how far we've come as a country, how far the state of Virginia has come to actually elect somebody uh, of transgender to the House of Delegates. And to me, that says that we are moving in the right direction. Perhaps the Trump presidency has touched off enough feeling and fervor in, you know, Democratic voters and just, you know, any voter who believes in good governance, who believes in open governance, um, you know, and sanity in their leadership positions. Uh, to make smart choices. We have to get to a point where we always say there are jerks who are Republicans and Democrats, there are nice guys who are Republicans and Democrats. And we get to, get to the point that you can vote against someone who's transgendered because you're against their political views, but it has nothing to do with the fact uh, you know, of their personal life. And uh, I don't think we're there quite yet, um, but, but it's good to see that uh, you know, the times they are changing. Um, and, and that's not that's not really the only thing. Similarly, in Minneapolis, um, out you know where I work, or with, with a lot of people that I work for, excuse me, um, they actually uh, elected a Democrat, Andrea Jenkins, who became the first openly transgender candidate to win a city council seat in a major city. Um, so yeah, I know Minneapolis is, is a little more uh, a little more liberal, but just the fact that. These people are being elected, and people are saying, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're a man or woman, transgendered, any of that stuff. It matters what the issues are. That's what we have to focus on because there's so much petty, petty squabbling going on, some of the stupid stuff when it's how they're going to vote, what they want the future to be. Those are the issues that are important. Well, you couldn't have said it any better, Jess, that it's about the issues. We've got to get past the, the petty partisan bickering. We've got to look at what is the – uh, the intended outcome or what is the actual outcome of the decisions that our government leaders are making. And we have to look for the best interest of the most amount of people you know, for the greater good. Uh, and really, I'm for anybody who's willing to 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 work towards that, to cross the party lines, to to work with good ideas, no matter which side of the aisle they come from. And I think both you and I ran our campaigns on that. And and hopefully some of these other people at the national level are running their campaigns on that as well and are really, truly willing to work with anybody as long as they have good ideas. And I hope that people really appreciate that and understand that. Uh, people are used to business as usual when it comes to elections, and I think it's time for a change and time for, for that stuff to take take uh, take the front seat in, in all of these upcoming elections. Uh, the question I want to know, though, Kev, is so we see these candidates who are kind of running on on Trump Trumponian ideals, if that's the correct way to say it. Um, what is the status of of Trumpism? And if we want to discuss what Trumpism is, uh, does it work without Trump? Um, yes, we've seen uh, the Republicans have some wins in, in some of these uh, special elections recently, but they didn't do as well as they thought. These were in areas where they've always won. Uh, it's it's in a place like Virginia that is becoming a little more purple these days where we see them getting losses. So d does Trump need to be there for Trumpism to be successful or can people really latch on to his, I don't want to call it a movement, but his, you know, his persona, the things that he fights for? Well, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, certainly with a, a win for a Democrat in a state like Virginia, that would seem to speak against that theory. Um, but 
I don't know. You know, ignorance uh, and espousing ideas uh, that are ignorant. I mean, as long as you have a population of people who is behind the times and is willing to believe in that, I suppose anybody could win. But, you know, maybe it really does take a big marquee name like a Donald Trump who's also espousing those ideas to actually get people to vote. And we've been accused of being too anti-Trump and, and bashing on him, but I, I think we, you know, bash him for for good reason. It's not we're not we always say we're not bashing just to bash. We think some of the things they stand for just just aren't great. I think what we are all realizing now is that maybe establishment Republicans weren't so bad. We disagreed with them. Um, you know, I was one for a certain amount of time, but we, with establishment Republicans, establishment Democrats, you can disagree with them, but have it be relatively civil. Um, you can have debates, not the end of the world. It's when you have extremists like the Trump section of the Republican Party, that's where things really just go astray and get nuts. So I, I want when rather than retiring, when is the establishment right going to fight back? And I mean, uh, uh, Chrissy Todd Whitman had a book out about a decade ago called It's My Party Too. When are they going to take back the party from the, the fringe elements who have kind of hijacked it? Well, we need it more than ever now. And so hopefully somebody can have the courage within the party to stand up and get people to follow. I keep waiting for Paul Ryan to do that. I'm not sure that he's capable. I mean, you you have probably had, had the same thoughts as George W. Bush on many, many occasions in the past year. And the fact that, that I can say that now, I, I never would have thought that would have been the case a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, you, you disagree on a lot of things, but you agree on uh, things are not going well in D.C. And the, the White House and the, the presidency is just – it's it's kind of falling apart. It's uh it's it's really sad. So if if they can bring two people like you and and the former president together, I mean anything can happen. Anything's possible. Yeah, I never thought I'd see that day, but it has arrived. You know, the the Trump era has brought a lot of people towards the middle, uh, in you know uh, against Donald Trump. I mean, just like Rocky single-handedly ended the Cold War with bringing Russia and the United States together, I think so. Perhaps we can bring the Democrats and Republicans together in a common common enemy. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things go forward over this next year. I, I'm pretty sure come next November, no matter what happens, we're going to be sick and tired of hearing about it. I just hope that the day after the elections in 2018 – yeah, I feel a little more happiness inside of me than I have for the past years. It's been kind of a downer uh, the day of the election the last two years. I wanna, I wanna sit there and go. You know what? We we actually uh, accomplished the goal that we're going. I mean, you you obviously feel that, so I don't mean to be a downer on you, but uh, you know you know what I'm saying. I hear you, and you know what? I have a good feeling about 2018. Let's keep this momentum going, I am, folks. I am hoping. I am hoping. We're and I wonder if this whole. Our recent election has kind of put an end to uh, – it won't put an end to it totally, but some of the fear to Steve Bannon. I think we we can't uh, count out Steve Bannon, never count out Steve Bannon because that's when he'll come and get you. But he was threatening to kind of take over some of these races uh, where these guys you know, just just weren't Republican enough, just weren't Trump-like enough. And uh, these two recent least gubernatorial elections show that – uh, maybe we don't have to be afraid of those kind of people. Maybe uh, sanity will prevail and, and the more moderate and the more liberal candidate will possibly win. Sure hope so. And yesterday's results were a sign of it. We'll have to wait and see. 
So, so the, the biggest thing everybody was uh, messaging us saying, you know, "Why aren't you putting on a podcast? Why aren't you talking about this?" Last week, um, we missed it. I apologize to all of our listeners. We were just running ourselves ragged, couldn't talk about it. Uh, Robert Mueller he uh, sent out the first round of indictments into the whole Russia Trump thing, and uh, it's it's going to be a big deal. It was back on October thirtieth. Um, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort uh, was charged with conspiracy against the United States. Never a good thing, by the way. Uh, tax fraud and money laundering. And uh, the 12-count indictment included five counts against Manafort's former business partner and protege, Rick Gates, who was fired from the pro-Trump group America First Policies in April. Um, they turned themselves in that Monday to the FBI field offices. But um, this this could be the beginning. Yeah, it really was a case of good week, bad week for the city of New Britain, Connecticut, right here in our, <laughs> our home state. Because in the same week uh, that Paul Manafort was being indicted and facing these charges, criminal charges, uh, George Springer, also of New Britain, was becoming the World Series MVP for the Houston Astros. So, you know, New Britain had, had a bit of a, you know, an up and down uh, time back at the end of October, beginning of November. Something tells me they're much quicker to uh, to accept George Springer as you know the, uh, the son of their town. I think maybe they're they've kicked uh, Manafort to the curb long ago. Well, I read an article recently too <laughs> about that, written by somebody in New Britain, saying, "Well, I don't know why we're still claiming him. He hasn't been here in forty years." Good riddance is probably what they're thinking. You know, I'll have to talk. I have some family in New Britain. I'll, I'll talk to them, see what they think. I'm sure they probably have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so, anyways, the uh, the charges uh, related to work that uh, was done by Manafort and Gates on behalf of a pro Kremlin political party in Ukraine. Of course, it always comes back to Russia in the end. Um, Mueller is basically saying that they were paid tens of millions of dollars. Uh, for work and then laundered the money in order to hide Ukrainian payments from the United States authorities. That's just not good. Um, Yes, the indictment and these charges don't mention any of Manafort's work with the Trump campaign, Um, but like many things we're going to talk about in this section, uh, it may just give Mueller some leverage over, over Manafort, maybe get some of the info he's really looking to find out on Trump. You know, if or not the human condition of greed, right? I don't understand why it's so hard for people to play above board and do things, you know, on the books, keep the books open and accessible. You know, you and I just ran campaigns for local office. And granted, that's, you know, small potatoes compared to some of the big time politics these guys are running. But we did everything above board. Anytime we had to make a purchase, we documented it. We submitted receipts. We did everything above board by the book. Why is that so hard for them? Not only that. If I was doing this shady stuff and making tens of millions of dollars from these shady dealings, maybe I wouldn't put myself in the spotlight of trying to run a presidential campaign for someone, especially for someone like Donald Trump. Uh, You know, if he had just taken that money and run, never would have found out probably. There'd be no uh, indictment. There'd be no investigation into him. But these guys, again, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. A lot of these guys just get so greedy, whether it's for the money or whether it's the power. They just don't know when to say when, and that's how they get caught. They just, just, you know, do one thing too many, and that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, it speaks to their lack of character, and they honestly, and this is the proof that they honestly— do not care about anyone other than themselves, and they think themselves to be above everyone else. 
I love this quote that I read today, Kev. Uh, it's, it's by a former Trump campaign aide, Sam Nunberg. He was talking to a Vanity Fair in an interview and said, uh, you know, here's what Manafort's indictment tells me. Mueller is going to go over every financial dealing of Jared Kushner and the Trump organization. Trump is at 33% in Gallup. You can't go any lower. He's effed. Of course, he said the actual word. But uh, yeah, when, when people who used to work for the president uh, you know, in a legitimate capacity are just saying, screw it. Because I actually saw another article with this guy uh, from a few months earlier. And it's like uh, Sam Nunberg, former and future member of the Trump team i guess not anymore uh you know he he saw the writing on the wall um is it crude yes but is it uh, accurate well we'll see you bring up a good point or a good question of how as these people fall off as they get picked off one by one as part of uh the probe and now these positions need to be replaced within the white house who in their right minds volunteers to go work there People who think they can turn it around, well, actually, you know what? Those are the people, though. I think maybe that came in the second wave, thought they could turn it around. At this point, I'm with you. Who does want to go there? At this point, you go in there and you could be the next mooch in there for like 11 days and gone and made a, a public fool of you. Uh, I don't know who wants to. This is the, the true believers, the people who really think Trump knows what's going on. I can't believe those people exist out there, uh, but I guess they do. Yeah, sad but true. Sad but true. Well, you know, forget Manafort because that may actually be the real deal. The real deal may be the other storyline that happened last week where prosecutors announced that former Trump campaign aide George Papadopoulos, love the name, uh, has pled guilty. Uh, he specifically is pleading guilty to lying to investigators about conversations he had with a foreign professor who told them that he had thousands of emails containing dirt on Hillary Clinton. He also allegedly lied about his contact with a Russian woman uh, who the Justice Department says worked with uh, and he worked with him in an effort to arrange a meeting between the campaign and Russian government officials. I mean, again, this might be a biggie. He is uh, basically pled guilty. That would be, you can say Manafort and Gates, they are presumed innocent. Uh, not Papadopoulos. He's guilty. He he pled guilty. Um, and now what is he willing to do to stay out of jail? Hmm. I don't know. But, you know, I find it interesting that he has the same name as a character from the 1980s television show Webster. <laughs> A Greek name, correct? Correct, yes. George Papadopoulos, which was played by former NFL football star of the Detroit Lions, uh, Alex Karras, who was himself Greek. But not as not as fun a name, Karras, than Papadopoulos. Right. You know, I, I read these stories, and it tells me that no matter where I go in politics, I will probably never be corrupt because no one would trust me to hire me because – I would become a rat immediately. If I got in trouble, I, I, I will sing a canary. What do I have to do to get in jail? I'll tell you where the bar- bodies are buried, everything. You know, Sell I, his own mother up the river, folks. You, you bet, man. You bet. So anybody, if you ever want me to be part of your corrupt schemes in politics, don't do it. It's not good for you. It won't end well for you. Um, but, but this guy, Papadopoulos, he tried to negotiate a meeting with either Trump or campaign officials and, and Putin's office. I mean, you can't. Connect the dots any closer than that. I I know we don't have any proof yet of uh, of Trump sanctioning these things, but it always comes back to Russia. Whenever there's a fire, it's something to do with Russia that's burning. It's you 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 can't keep saying it's coincidence. At a certain point, the the laws of averages. I'm not a mathematician, but if you if you figure it out, it, it can't be this many coincidences. It's just not it's not possible. Well, history will prove this, right? You know, we'll look back at this years from now 
Um, and, you know, it'll be the writings all over the wall. And the history books will show that, you know, yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire. Russia was all kinds of involved with the 2016 presidential election and probably cost Hillary Clinton uh, the presidency. So, you know, as these little bits and pieces of information come out, you know, we're living through history here. And I think that that will be, uh, you know, if Trump thinks he's going to be vindicated by history, I think he's sadly mistaken. I think it's going to prove that uh, he was corrupted and that his presidency was, um, you know, illegal from the start. Hopefully the history books don't say this is a dark time where Hillary wasn't locked up and she should have been. <laughs> you know, they say depends uh, on who writes it. History is written by the victors, so we'll see. So who is next? Who is Mueller going to go after next? Uh, it sounds like it's Michael Flynn. NBC News reported that Mueller has enough evidence to bring charges against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and his son Mike Flynn Jr. Um, this would relate to Flynn's lobbying work uh, for businessmen with ties to the Turkish government throughout the second half of 2016, when, you know, he was a top Trump aide. This was the guy who kept chanting, lock her up, and yet he's the one that might end up locked up himself. My, how the tables have turned. Just like with Trump, there's a tweet for everything. Uh, it seems that might be the case with Michael Flynn as well. You should never – was it schadenfreude, uh, taking pleasure in you know, the, the pain and our sadness of your enemies? Be careful because that stuff uh, can bounce back and hit you too. It, it's, it's never a good look. Um, again, this might just be another domino uh, getting knocked down as Mueller moves up the ladder. I don't know if that's an, an apt uh, – uh, simile or, or whatever the hell it would be, <laughs> but Mueller could hope to fl- uh, flip Flynn, or maybe Trump will try to pardon him. I, I just don't know. We shall see. This is uh, great television, I guess, if it were a soap opera, but it's sadly real life, and you know, hopefully things turn out for the best for us, the American citizen. I believe the phrase is stranger than fiction. You know, sometimes you can't write this stuff. Can't make it up, folks. So, yes, it, it, there's other stuff going on in the world. I know Trump last week uh, you know, announced the opioid crisis. We're just not going to get a chance to talk about it this week. But we will be back uh, next week with a longer episode covering more of the stuff that's going on in the world. We apologize again for not having an episode last week and uh, apologize for having a short episode this week. But you know what? I, I think you and I, Kevin, deserve a break. We're going to go on vacation this weekend with our families, uh, chill out, kind of hit the reset button. Uh, and be back and ready to go uh, come Monday. Yeah, absolutely, Jess. And if I may say one thing, you know, the one silver lining in Donald Trump's election to the presidency has been a renewed interest in civic engagement. And voter turnouts, even in our little municipal election, was over 30 percent, which is high for the off-year municipal elections like ours. And so across the country, the number of new younger, motivated candidates who are willing to push for positive progressive change have risen to the challenge, and many have won at the local level. And change starts from the ground up. It's grassroots. Be advised, Washington. Be advised. You said it. Remember, go to our website at Grab Them by the Pod. You can find links to our Twitter website, our Facebook account, uh, you know, beautiful pictures of us, everything you need. You know, it's been a pleasure being this podcast for the last 35 episodes. I look forward to the next 35 and 35 beyond that and, and so on and so on and so on. And uh, until the next episode, Kevin, it's been great. We'll see you then. Later. Later.